Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Well, Rod is one of the elders here at the Rock Church. He's on the senior leadership team, and he has got a great gift in bringing the Word of God alive to us. And he's going to come now, and he's going to... Do you want to just come up, Rod? He's going to come and share what he feels God is saying to us as a church. So I'm just going to pray for you, if that's okay. Lord, we thank you for Rod. We thank you for the gift on his life. We thank you that you've spoken to him uh, this morning to encourage us to bring your words of life to your people. We pray you bless him as he shares that with us this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Sophs. Good morning, church. Good morning to everybody that's joined us online. And I hope and pray that this morning that you're blessed by this word. Um, Just listening to some of the testimonies this morning about the fasting. It's good because when you're fasting, you want to draw closer to God. But my word this morning... It's got to do with when you're drawing closer to God, especially during fasting, the enemy is taking a look at you because he doesn't like it that you are drawing closer to God. So you have to be aware of what's happening in the spirit world right now. It will be a miss of the church to only tell you about the benefits of fasting and to tell you how good it is, but not to tell you that there are things attached to fasting which you also have to be aware of. Okay? So that's what I'm going to try and do this morning, to try and convey some of those things. So my scripture this morning is in Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. We all know the scripture. I'll read it out for us. It's quite long, but it's quite important. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me stop right there first of all. So here we see the word of God says Jesus was led by the devil. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. You can see on the screen there, my word for this morning is tempted for good. I told my wife this last night. She said, "Um, are you sure you want to say tempted for good? I said, "Uh, yeah, no one's going to complain if I put up tempted for good. Um, But I'll try and explain what I mean by tempted for good. Okay, so you'll see tempted for good, but I'll I'll, I'll get to what I mean by tempted for good. Okay, so here Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. It's, it's amazing how the devil really knows the word of God. He really knows the word of God. He can take a scripture here and he take a scripture there and he brings it forward as truth. He brings it forward because there's nothing wrong with the word that he's spoken. It's a true word of God. But he's twisting it actually to his own favor. But Jesus says to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then, only then, the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Only then, three times, but only then the devil left him. Not the first time when, he, when he, he said the word of God. Not the second time when Jesus again gave him the word of God. The third time. Sometimes we are struggling with things constantly. And you think the first time that you stand on the word of God that the devil's going to leave you. He's not. He's going to come again and again, and you have to just persevere again and again and keep applying the Word of God to your life. Amen? Let me just stop there right now and say, I actually made notes on here to say, Roderick, follow your notes, and I'm already off my notes. So I'm going to go to my notes, okay? <laughs> so here, it starts out to the devil. And I just want to draw your attention. If you didn't know, now you know that there is a spiritual world. There is a spiritual world where there is a spiritual battle. Some of us as Christians, we forget that there is a spiritual world. There is an enemy. There is a devil. There are millions of hell. We forget these things, or we try not to think about these things. But here we see that the devil is real and he's active. Okay? So here we can see we are involved in a spiritual war. And this spiritual war didn't only start with Jesus. This spiritual war started way in the beginning in Genesis 1. It began with Adam and Eve. Where the enemy tempts him, leads him into sin, leads him into temptation, and leads him ultimately to death. That's, that's what initially happened. Then, through the rest of the Bible, we can then see God then calls a people to himself, Israel. But even amongst his people, we see people being tempted all the time. We see Abram. Called by God, tempted. What does he do? He lies about his wife. We see David, the king of the God's own heart. What does he do? 
he commits adultery, he commits murder. Spiritual battle manifesting in the physical. It's always, it's happening. Spiritual battle that manifests itself in the natural. Over your my life right now, there are spiritual battles that's manifesting itself in the natural, in your life. You have to be aware of it. Temptation is ultimately about an all-out attack from the devil on the kingdom of Christ. That's temptation. Now, when you decided to become a Christian, temptation didn't stop. When you said, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, it didn't stop right there. That's actually when it went up a couple of notches. Because we can see here in Jesus' life, suddenly the devil came. 18 years. For 18 years, we hear nothing about Jesus. 18 years. He's now 30 years old. He steps into the scene. Now suddenly, he's gone away. The, the, the Holy Spirit has led him, and the devil suddenly attacks him. Temptation will not stop in your life. Temptation will keep being in and around your life. Just remember that. So when we talk about temptation, we're just not talking about some psychological battle. Okay? We are involved in a spiritual war. And that spiritual war, the spiritual war, is personal. It's not only out there. Currently, there's a war being fought in Israel. There's a spiritual war being fought in Israel. There's a physical war being fought in Israel. Over your life, there's a spiritual war being fought for your family. But there's also a physical war being fought for your family. That's why we as Christians need to really keep our families in prayer. Every single day. Keep them in prayer. You have to keep yourself in prayer. Keep yourself in line with the word of God every single day because you're going to be attacked every single day. Amen? This is a spiritual, but it is a physical war. And it is a personal war. There are forces currently that want to take you each and every one of you, to places and situations where you do not want to go. Let me say that again. There are forces currently in your life that want to take you to places and situations where you do not want to go. I know for myself, one wrong look one wrong word to the wrong person. One wrong decision. One wrong meeting. Just one wrong moment can wreak absolute havoc in my life, in the life of my family, and in the life of the church. One moment of giving in to temptation can have lasting consequences in your life. I have to make you aware of that. I have to make you aware of it. Because that's the danger of sin and temptation. 
to not be caught unawares, to not always be aware of what's happening around you. We are part of a human race where over and over and over and over and over and over again in history, every man, every woman has fought this fight and every man, every woman has lost. All of us lose the fight against temptation. There's no one here who can stand up and say, do you know what? I've been tempted my whole life, but I've never given in to temptation. Not one of us, because the Bible says all of us has fallen short. Every single one of us. But you know what? In this Matthew 4, we see one person who has now stepped into history. He stepped into this, this whole story of humanity. He also being tempted, but he doesn't give in to that temptation. And this is Jesus stepping into our story. This is where we now see the picture of Jesus in Matthew 4. And we can see actually the parallels between Jesus here in Matthew 4 and Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. There's clear parallels because here the devil tries to tempt Jesus with bread. Adam and Eve he tempted with an apple. So f food, the same parallel. So Satan thinks the same thing I can do with Adam, who was the first one, I can do with Jesus. I can tempt him with food. The same way that I got Adam, I can get Jesus. And this is what he does in your life and my life. When we're fasting, when you're fasting full fast or even partial fast, Daniel fast, you find that calling, that craving for food, is that one thing that calls to you all the time. That one temptation, do you know what? Maybe I should just have a little nibble. No one's looking. I, I decided to do the full fast. And, um, let me put up my hand here and say, I, I decided to do the full fast initially, just two or three days, just to start out with. It was going well the first two or three days. Tuesday was the rock prayer meeting, and I thought, do you know what? I just have to hold out for this one day. Before I went to prayer meeting, my wife said, your food's in the microwave. <laughs> Came to prayer meeting, sat here, prayed. My food's in the microwave. <laughs> it's going, yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, it's just, just a few more hours. That's all. I mean, Pre-meeting finished at nine. Came home. My food's in the microwave. <laughs> Do you know what? My food's in the microwave. Unfortunately, I gave into it. Okay? I did feel bad about it, but the word of God says there's no condemnation. I'll do better next time. I will do better next time. I'll tell my wife before the time, do not tell me my food is in the microwave. Okay, I don't want to hear. I don't want. <laughs> yeah. 
came. So the same thing that happened with Adam and Eve, it's the same thing with Jesus, okay? Same parallel. But the same parallel is between Jesus and Israel, the nation. Now, you're saying, how is that the same? Because in Exodus 4, verse 22, God says, He says to, to, to Moses, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. Now Moses eventually, when he stands in front of Pharaoh, he says, um, let my people go. And we all assume that is what God says, let my people go. But when God was actually telling Moses, he says to him, Look here, when you stand before Pharaoh, you will tell him this. You will tell him that Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Pharaoh, let my son go that he may serve me. But Moses, because of learning difficulties, oh, not learning difficulties. Um, you know, sometimes we say things because we think it sounds better. Okay? Or we think... We, the other person might not understand what we are trying to say when we're actually talking to them about the Word of God. So we try to dilute the Word of God for our audience. So when we're talking to people, we take the Word of God and we try to put it into their context. And we've got to be very careful when we're taking the Word of God and trying to apply it to somebody's context that we're not taking it out of context. Because now we're losing the complete Word of God, what God really wants to say to us. We are diluting it for our audience. So the audience thinks they're not hearing actually what God wants to say that they need to change some things, that they need to see things the way God sees things. Now they may be seeing it the way that we as humans see things. And I think this is what Moses tried to do when God told him, tell Pharaoh that Israel is my son and you will let my son go. Son is personal. It's a personal thing. This is my son, and, and God says, I will deal with, with you the way that you've dealt with my son. So God strikes his firstborn son because of the way that he dealt with God's son, who was Israel. So do not, do not try to dilute the word of God because the word of God is effective on its own. Amen. So here we see that Israel is referenced as God's son. And Israel is also being led through the wilderness to be tested. The same parallel with Jesus is the parallel of Israel's son. So just as Jesus is being led, so, through, so is Israel being led. Before Jesus is led, do you know what happens? Jesus had gone to John the Baptist 
and he was baptized. That was just before he was led. He was baptized. When Israel came out of Egypt, what was the first thing they went through? They went through the Red Sea. They went through the, the, the waters. And that was their baptism. So when they went through the waters, every nation, because then God destroyed the, the, the armies of Israel, of, of, of Egypt, every nation then knew of this nation of Israel. When Jesus came through the waters and God, the Spirit came upon him and said, this is my son, suddenly everybody knew who Jesus was. Over your life and my life, when God comes upon your life, everyone will know who you are. Trust that God knows who you are. He knows who you are. And he's got a plan and a purpose and destiny for your life. Okay? So Jesus, in the context of temptation, is pointing us back to what happens with God's son, Israel, who's tempted in the desert. So also this temptation of Matthew 4, when Jesus is talking back to 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 Satan. He's not just saying words, okay? He's repeating the words back from what is in Deuteronomy, okay? So he says, when he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, what does, Je what does Jesus do? He quotes from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He quotes back to him. It says from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When the devil then takes him to this high pinnacle. Again, what does Jesus do? He quotes again from Deuteronomy. Okay? The next one that he says is from Deuteronomy 6 verse 16. He says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you test him at Massa. And in the last one, when the devil again tempts him, he goes back to Deuteronomy and quotes him Deuteronomy 6 verse 13 which says, it is the Lord your God, you shall fear, you shall serve him, and by his name you shall swear. So every time Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy, why? Because in Deuteronomy, it's the people of Israel that were being tested. So that same test that they were going through, Jesus is experiencing the exact same thing. So that parallel, you can see the one to the other happening all the time. Amen. But more than that, temptation, because Israel, God says, is his son. Jesus is God's son. So when the devil comes, what's he trying to do? He's trying to bring division between the son and the father. In your life and my life, when temptation comes, that's the first thing the devil tries to do. Because we are called God's children. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. So the devil tries to bring division between sons and daughters and the Father. Temptation is an assault on sonship. That's what it is. Every temptation in your life and my life is a temptation to see God as a rival and not God as your father. 
That's what the devil wants you to see God as, as your rival and not as your father. Because of the rival, he's saying, God is withholding something from me. He's withholding something. He's withholding food from me. He's withholding the good life from me. That's what temptation does. So the son goes into disobedience. Every sin that you and I commit is a rejection of God as our father. Now, the second question, does God tempt us? Does God tempt us? Show of hands, who thinks God tempts us? Good, good answer there, guys. Good. God does not tempt us. Matthew 4 says, yes, that Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted, but God does not tempt us. Okay? There is a tempt, because the word of God says, let no one say, in James 1 verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Satan is the one who tempts. We are tempted by Satan, but Satan is still subordinate. He's still under. Who's Satan under? Under God. Satan does not have all authority. He's under God. And we forget that sometimes. He only does things with the consent of God. We see that in the book of Job. He had to go to God every time and ask for permission to do something. Every single time. Can I do this? And God tells him, yes, you can. Every time, it's the devil being under God, okay? So now we can see that when God says, yes, you can be tempted, he's not tempting you. God is testing you. Every temptation is a temptation for good because God is testing your heart, your mind, your spirit. He allows temptation so that when you say no, when you say, do you know what? I'm going to stand on the word of God. That you're actually drawing closer and closer to him. You're not drawing closer to God by giving up food. You are drawing closer to God when you're denying the enemy telling you that there is food in the microwave. And you tell yourself, do you know what, Lord? I can overcome this with you. With you on my side, nothing is impossible. So every temptation, even though the devil wants to tempt you for evil, the temptation is for your good and my good because that temptation is God testing us to bring out the good that is in us. Amen. When Joseph, we all know Joseph was, he was sold into slavery. That was a terrible thing, being sold into slavery. And in that slavery, he was tempted by a woman. But he said no. And what came out of that temptation? Eventually, Joseph ruled over the entire 
Egypt. Your blessing is in you standing on the word of God, overcoming your temptation and saying, Lord, I choose you. Every, every temptation, I look forward to this temptation because I know that every temptation is actually a refining of my character, a refining of my spirit, a drawing closer to you. That's what God desires of you. Amen. So these three temptations, if I can quickly run through them, there are three temptations. Three times Jesus tempted. The first time, the first temptation, loaves of bread. That temptation speaks to self-gratification. The devil tempts him to turn stones into bread. God has created everything. He's created our desires. He's created our desires for emotional needs. He's created our desires for um, food, for water, for people, everything. God has created it. But he created that to be fulfilled according to his word. That's, that's how God has created us. So, when the devil comes, he takes that desires and he turns it into something bad. Now your desire for food is not just desire for food. It's desire now to want more than that. Okay? Your desire for sleep, because it's natural to sleep. But now that desire for sleep turns into apathy and laziness. It goes to more than just sleep. He's putting us the desire for sex. But now the, se the desire for sex turns into more than that. It turns into lust. It turns into all kinds of perversions. So be careful about the temptation because the temptation is there to take the natural desires that God has placed in us and turn it into something bad. But God wants us to take that, the natural desires, and turn it into something good. Amen? So that, the first one, is self-gratification. The desires that God has placed upon you is natural. It's natural. Don't tell anybody that what you have in your life is unnatural. There's natural desires within you. But it's when we start putting our own things into it that it becomes unnatural. Be very careful about that. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. Do not let your temptation lead you into something where you should not be. The second one is self-protection. Um, the devil takes him to a high pinnacle and says, jump off here and the angels will catch you. Self-protection. This one's probably the most difficult to understand, I think. Okay? But we all go through this. We all go through this way of testing God. Lord, I'm going through something. But you know what, Lord? You haven't come through for me yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my own thing. And I hope it's what you want. Or I hope that you can turn it for good. You know? So that's self-protection. 
that self-protection says that God is not good enough to carry you. I'm going to do it on my own. Be careful for that one, okay? Because we now want to manipulate God for our own will, for our own good. Finding a new job is good. Having a new job, it pays more and everything. It's a good thing. But is it actually in the will of God that you should immediately be looking for a new job? Or do you have work to be done in the work that you are currently? Or you need to minister to somebody? Or are you taking the easy way out by just looking for something else? Your wife or your husband currently that you are with, you have struggles with them currently, but is the easy way out for you to now find somebody else to just leave your marriage and not work on the marriage because the marriage is too hard? Self-protection. Self-protection says, do you know what? I want to take myself out of the situation and let God now carry me in the choice that I've made. Okay? And the third one is self-exaltation. So he takes Jesus to this very high mountain and says, I'm going to give you all these things. Now, Jesus probably knew that he was going to receive everything himself. But Jesus also knew he had to walk a path. He had to walk a path of suffering. He had to walk a path of pain. He had to walk a path that leads him to the cross. Sometimes we don't want to walk that path. We want instant successes right now. Right now. But we don't want to take the painful choice. It's hard working on a marriage. Let me tell you that. It's very hard working on a marriage. All the guys can say amen to that. I know. All the guys. Okay. It's very hard to take the easy way out. But that's not what God desires for you and me. We face these battles every single day. Every day. Self-gratification, self-protection, self-exaltation. These are all temptations in our lives. As we are fasting and praying, you're going to encounter these things in your life. You're going to. It's not going to be easy. And not even this 21 days. For the rest of your life, you're going to be walking with temptation. The rest of your life. But the word of God says, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. The band can come up. The same spirit who led Christ into the wilderness is the same spirit that's leading you and me. It's the same spirit. It's the spirit of God that led Jesus into the wilderness. God will take you where you need to go for your own benefit. Now, the devil will not lead you into the wilderness. He will lead you to a place where it looks good, where it feels good, where you think you are happy. But that way leads to death. 
Christ has come to give you life and life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. Even in the desert. Because the desert is sometimes where you need to be. To be away from watching TV that pollutes and corrupts your mind. Away from things on social media that corrupts and feeds you daily with all the wrong things. The Spirit of God leads you to where you need to be. Where you need to be. Not where you want to be. Where you need to be. In this 21 days of fasting and prayer, it's not for, for you that's thinking, I might have missed the first week. It's not too late. It's not too late to fast and to pray. Tomorrow, you can start on the fasting and the prayer. Tomorrow, you can start. Let the Holy Spirit be the one who leads you. Because in Him is the hope of our glory. Is the hope of our glory. Now, fasting is not easy. yourself something and we also see that the devil didn't come to Jesus while he was fasting the devil came to him when he was finished fasting because in your fasting and in your time of prayer God is going to reveal some things to you about you about your life your next steps about the church God's going to drop something into your spirit but now the devil wants to come after that and snatch it from you after that 21 days that word that is placed in your heart that word that is spoken over you he wants to snatch that from you after that away from that word, that blessing that God has actually told you, do you know what? I've got a blessing in store for you. He wants to snatch it from you. But church, we know the schemes of the enemy. I pray that after the 21 days, we're going to be even stronger, more in his word. We're going to be more connected to him. of us here that I know that are dealing with real temptations in our lives. And it's not easy. Now temptation looks different for each and every one of us. Some struggle with temptation of food. Others struggle with temptation of the flesh. Others struggle with the temptation of the mind. These different temptations for everybody. But you know what? It's still the same God. The same God who carried Israel through the desert. The same God who was there with Jesus. The same God is there for you and me. If you're one of those, and I know it's not easy, 
to acknowledge that you are struggling with things. It's not easy. The altar and church is always a place for you to come and to let go. And to let go. Lord, not about me. It's about you. What I'm struggling with right now, I can't do it on my own. I can't. I need you. So, as the band ministers us to us with the last song, you have the opportunity this morning to come to the front if you need prayer. If you need prayer, and you really, really need God to do a way in your life, to part the waters in your life, lighten the burden over your life then come forward the prayer team is here in front they prayed up the others are here as well you do not leave here this morning with the same struggle that you had when you came in here do not leave with your same struggles when you leave here let it be that you've let go let God let go and let God Amen